Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here with you as we start our September journey exploring this thing called love. You've heard of that thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And specifically, we're going to be focusing on the idea of self-love. Now, you might have seen today's talk title. It's called, I Love Myself So Much. And I'm going to invite you to rename that talk title today to the power of self-love. And that'll make a little bit more sense as we get into this. But to help illustrate self-love, I've got two stories to share with you. It's a tale of two Russes. And the first tale goes like this. It starts about when I was, I want to say around like maybe 19 and a half years old. I was in my second year of college, and I had just changed my major. I thought I was going to be a computer programmer and write video games. Little did I know that my brain doesn't work that way. And so I became an English major instead. And that time of my life was very interesting because I was coming to grips with the fact that I didn't have very much confidence in myself. I actually fell into a bit of an existential crisis in my second year of college to the point where I was experiencing this really deep depression. And it's the one time in my entire school career that I actually failed a class. And that class was gym class. <laughs> now, don't ask me why <laughs> UW Oshkosh had this policy, but it didn't matter what your major was, what you were trying to do there. Everyone had to take gym class before they could graduate. Apparently, there was some administrator there who really was passionate about physical fitness. So... As I was really struggling during this time, I was finding myself, you know, having a really hard time showing up to classes. And of course, well, the gym class that I didn't want to go to because all we were doing is swimming, that's the one that I chose. Well, that was the one that I ended up not going to. And it just started to spiral out of control. And I noticed that that pain coming up in me even more and even more and even more to the point where it comes to a night before I've got a, this big exam, do I think it was a midterm exam, I can't remember what class it was for, where the stress of it and the depths of my lack of confidence in myself, the pain that was going through me, led me to think that I was having a heart attack. So I had one of my friends take me to the ER, and luckily, because ER doctors are amazing, <laughs> they're like, you're not having a heart attack, you're having an anxiety attack. And so, you know, they gave me some IV fluid, they gave me some drugs to calm me down. But that really came to a head in the sense that in that entire journey there, I wasn't able to love myself. I didn't know how to love myself. And I suffered the consequences of that. Now, contrast that with Russ 2.0. <laughs> 
And many years later, after I had graduated from college and I actually found my way back into IT work, just not doing computer programming, instead I was doing you know, server administration, things like that, which fit, my, fit me a lot better. It's more like being a mechanic, right, than having to write software, and I was really good at it. And I found myself working at Chicago Public Schools in my 30s, and a couple of years into my job there, which was my dream job at the time, um, well, our central office decided that it was time to move to a new location. And we were all for that, because one of the you know, jokes that we had on our teams was, oh, I only saw one cockroach today, that's a good day. The building was not very good. So they bought a building, and we were going to move to that building. And part of that move meant that we had to move our entire data center that served the 500, 600 schools for Chicago and all of the teachers and all of the students that had all of their software, all of their data in it. It was a big deal because this was a multi-million dollar data center. It was huge, it was air-conditioned, and it's like one of those data centers that you would see when you're watching a movie about a bunch of hackers hacking something with a bunch of blinking lights. It's really cool. So we got to move it, and we got to move it over uh, Christmas break because, well, that was the best time to do it because all the kids are off school, all the teachers are off school, all the administrators. But here's the kicker. We had three days to move this multi-million dollar data center. And that meant moving hundreds of physical devices that had thousands of servers and terabytes of data, which is a lot. It's a lot of data. And we had to get it right the first time because the expectation was that when we were done, everyone would be able to log on to their systems and it would all just work. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so by the time we got our stuff to the no new location, well, we had already encountered some pretty crippling problems. One of our contractors, you know, we said, hey, you know, don't unplug all of the network cables, just cut them because we're going to rerun them anyway. It's one of the things that you do when you're in that level of IT is you cut your cables to length because everything looks cleaner, it makes it easier to troubleshoot. So they did that. They did exactly what we told them to do. They did it a little bit too well because they also cut some cables they weren't supposed to cut that were very expensive that we then had to order on the spot at a premium that delayed the entire thing. Now, my role in this project was one that would have come in probably right way at the end, because all the hardware had to be hooked up first before my team could do our stuff. We were responsible for making the systems that let you log into stuff work. So we can't do that when there's a bunch of cables that don't exist. So what this turned into was an exercise in figuring out the problem and figuring it out from a place of possibility. Now, the good news, and this is where the difference comes in. At this point, I had also been exploring our science of mind teaching for a few years. And through that teaching, I was able to access something within myself that even though I distinctly remember there being some 24-hour long days to get this done, I noticed that I was moving 
through this project in ways that I didn't think I was going to. I thought I was only going to do my one thing and my team were only going to do that one thing. But something came alive in that moment that allowed me to step outside of what I already knew and to open myself up to being of service in ways that I hadn't dreamed of before. And so the good news is that we got the project done and we received the highest praise that you can ever receive from a principal at the end of a job like this, and that's, hey, did you guys do the data center move? I just logged in and everything's working. (laughs) So do you see the difference there between those two stories? The difference was the fact that I had found my way to that self-love that's within me. And that self-love sustained me and, and empowered me and inspired me to not just allow myself to grow, but also to help my team to grow because I was their manager at that time. That's the power of self-love. That's why I'm so excited to share this with you today because when I found those Science of Mind teachings, it opened me up to something that was inside of me that I never knew was there. It put me in touch with my inner wise self, self with a capital S. You might call it spirit, you could call it our inner divine, our inner God, whatever word works for you. But it's that part of me, it's that part of you that is naturally compassionate and confident and caring. It's clear about the world, it's courageous, it's calm in the midst of adversity, it's incredibly creative and it is connected, connected quite literally to everything. So when I started to explore these teachings, what really blew my mind was this idea that the love that I had been seeking for most of my life was not something that I was ever going to get outside of me. It was always right here. I didn't have to go anywhere. Just like, you know, those times when I forget where my keys are and it turns out they're in my pocket. (laughs) And what I learned is that I didn't have to generate or create this love. I just had to get my own defenses, my own fearful parts of my mind out of the way so that that love could more easily shine through. And one of the places where I learned this was in our Foundations of Science of Mind course, which is one of the core classes that we teach here at the center that's taught in centers across the world. And that class taught me the core spiritual principles that our friend Ernest Holmes shares with us. He's the founder of our movement, if you're new here. And In those core spiritual principles, the underlying idea behind them all is that there's already this unconditional love at the center of our being. Now this week, I'm starting to teach Beyond Limits, which is sort of the cousin of foundations. It's a different take on presenting those same spiritual concepts. And if you find yourself inspired to dive a little deeper into your own self-love, I would love to see you in class on Tuesday because that's what we're going to be exploring, how we can unlock that inner self-love 
and allow it to inform us, to inform the way we show up in the world. And so I'd love to have you in class. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Now, for example, one of the concepts in that class that we're going to look at is love itself. What is love? What is this universal spiritual love that we talk about in our movement that Ernest Holmes shares with us? And, well, Science of Mind teaches us that love is one of the fundamental creative forces of our universe. In fact, our founder, Ernest Holmes, tells us that love is the self-givingness of the spirit through the desire of life to express itself in terms of creation. Ooh. And he goes on to say that Emerson, and he's talking about philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson, Emerson tells us that love is a synonym for God. We are also told in the New Testament that they that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Love is free from condemnation, even as it is free from fear. Love is a cosmic force whose sweep is irresistible. Ooh, sends chills down my spine. So what I've learned for myself through the science of mind teaching is that love is constantly making connections through the power of its creation. And because I am a creation of this love, because you are a creation of this love, this means that we are always connected to it. And through that love, we are connected to quite literally everything. Hmm. We don't have to go and get love because we've already got it. It's already here. And we are proof. Our existence is proof of that. But then I have to ask myself, why is it that sometimes I don't feel that love? Why does it sometimes feel really elusive? And the answer for me is that it's a matter of where I'm placing my attention. You see, I grew up with a lot of childhood experiences that led me to wall off my love, to put walls around it. Because as a child, it didn't always feel safe to share that love with the world. In fact, sometimes it would actually feel dangerous. And so I ended up locking it deep inside of me, so much so that eventually I forgot that it was even there. And so that's why today, I want to turn around that phrase that's our talk title, I love myself so much, because I believe that that sets up an unrealistic expectation for us. Because, because that word I is in there, immediately that means that that I is coming from ego. I love myself so much. And what I know for me is my ego is not super great at loving Anyone have that experience? <laughs> See, my ego thinks often that it knows how to love, but it's not very good at it. It stumbles a lot. It makes mistakes. And sometimes it feels like it's trying to conjure that love up from somewhere that it doesn't even know where to get it. And so 
it ends up willing its way through loving in the ways that it thinks it's supposed to love. Now, the good news that I found is that we don't have to have our ego be that source of love because really it's not ever going to be very good at it. Instead, what I've found is that because I am one with this divine source for creation, just as you're one with this divine source for creation, and because that divine source of creation creates from itself, from its boundless, endless love, then love is not something that I have to get or impose on myself. The reality is all I have to do is get my own broken beliefs, my own fears of that love out of the way. And once I do, I open myself up to the natural flow of love through me into the world. I don't have to know how to love then because that spiritual part of me, that core of my being, already knows how to love because it is love. You see the difference there. I can see you thinking about it. (laughs) Self-love then becomes a love that comes from that part of me, that core of my being that's naturally compassionate and caring and loving, not just for the world around me, but also for myself. It actually knows how to balance the two. For me, it's the difference between an effortless boundless, infinite love and uh, maybe slightly smaller and more limited love that my ego likes to wrap up in conditions. Like, I will love you if you do this thing for me. Now, what does that boundless love look like? Well, for me, it's a love that gives me energy even in the t- times when my brain, when my body tells me that I don't have any. It's a love that connects me to the world. It's not a narcissistic or self-centered love, but rather it's a love that opens me up to connect to the world and to the people around me. In fact, When I'm open to it, I find myself less concerned about the things that my ego is afraid of, that my ego thinks are important, and I find this deep peace when my ego is able to relax and not worry so much. It's a love that drives my curiosity, and it gives me courage, and it opens me to see all the possibilities in the world, especially in those challenging times when it feels like there aren't any possibilities at all. It's deeply creative. It's so creative that this is the love that makes the soil of the earth fertile by connecting all the nutrients in that dirt to the seeds that are in it, those seeds that are so full of potential. It's the light that shines down upon those seeds and the water that feeds them, that turns them into something so much more than they began. Love unlocks that seed's potential. It's the love that 
bonds the very smallest of atoms together, creating something more with each new combination. It's a love that moves planets and stars and entire galaxies. And when I tap into that inner love, in that moment, anything is possible. So today, I'd like to share a meditation with us, if you're willing, I hope you are, that I find particularly helpful to find my way back to that inner self-love, especially in those times when it might feel hard to access it, to get in touch with it. And what I find is that that self-love then brings healing to those parts of me that are not doing so hot and that might be afraid of that love. And so now I invite you, if it feels comfortable, to go ahead and close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath. Just settle into the rhythm of your breathing. And take this moment to simply turn your attention to your inner love. Know that that love is there. Because we're all different, maybe it feels big and it's easy to get in touch with it. And yeah, that's great. Or maybe it might be small, but nevertheless, there is the spark of it there. However that love shows up for you, place your attention upon it. And just take note of how it feels to witness that inner love. And now I invite you to check in with that love as though you're talking to a beloved friend and ask it, is there anything that's getting in the way of fully experiencing and expressing this love, your love, in the world? Is there perhaps any part of you that is afraid to allow that spark of love to grow and to expand? And allow that love to inform you now. And you might notice that your love shares with you parts of you that are, in fact, afraid to allow more of it into the world, and that's okay. That's what we're seeking to find out. And so if you do hear about those parts of yourself, what you can do is you can invite that love to share of itself with any part of you that is afraid to let it express more deeply in the world. Allow your love to share its healing nature with any part of you that's fearful, that feels stuck, that maybe feels unworthy. And know that this inner love, in the face of this inner love, 
there can only be healing. And so I invite you to take another deep breath, breathing in and out. When you feel ready, come back to the room. You can open your eyes. That love is within you. It's always there. And it can be accessed at any time especially in the times when we're really challenged and when maybe our mind isn't so good at figuring out how we're supposed to love. So this growth of self-love is what I wish for all of us, for you, for me, for the world. And so I hope that you will continue this practice in the days and weeks to come. Because I know that the more all of us are able to live our lives from the depths of that self-love, that love that comes from our wise and brilliant and beautiful self, that is what brings healing to the world. Healing that I believe our world is asking for. And we get to be that. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful.